The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, Bert Harper and I are in the book of Acts, the New Testament book of Acts. And Bert, a few days ago, I said somebody ought to make a movie about the book of Acts. It is so full of excitement and action. And a listener, one of our very astute Exploring the Word listeners, emailed me and said there was indeed a movie made about the book of Acts with Dean Jones, the famous actor in it, and I think there was even a a sequel about Pentecost and the Apostle Paul. So I was not aware of it, but apparently the book of Acts already has been made into a movie at least maybe about 20 years ago, and uh, maybe I'll get to see that. Well, I knew there were movies about different areas in the Bible. Uh, The one that I saw a few years ago, it was at NRB. It was a show, and it was Paul the Apostle, and showing him writing 2 Timothy and Timothy there with him in Rome. And again, that's kind of the end of Acts where where it begins. But it, uh, yes, it it is a great, great book and uh, movies that would uh, you know, do a uh, do an acting job of bringing it to life. Uh, I, I think that's great. And uh, but let me just yeah. say this: the book is better than the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. And while the content of so much of the Bible, Old and New Testament, does lend itself well to plays, and you know, the theater really did originate in the church uh, because there's so much that. You know, in a time when not everybody could read and not everybody had a Bible, they would do plays. They were called morality plays, but what they were were Bible stories to try to convey biblical truth. And you know what? Like you say, I mean, it lends itself to the stage and the screen, but nothing's better than the book itself, the Bible, God's Word. Amen. And today we're in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, and we have slowed down the last two or three Uh, shows because this is such a pivotal turn, and today is no different. We found out yesterday Philip went in the Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord. Uh, Philip goes on to Caesarea and continues preaching. Uh, The eunuch heads down to Ethiopia, and there's no doubt that he carried the gospel with him. And now we turn to chapter 9, and it's Paul, uh, who who was Saul at that time, and his name would uh, change to Paul when he became a Gentile uh, apostle, apostle to the Gentiles. But in verse 4, after the light came, let me just read in verse 3 to bring in verse 4. And as he, Paul, journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Now, that would be dramatic. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, listen, this is God. He knows his name. He knows what he's doing, and he asks the question, why? Uh, God knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing, and he does know the question to ask. Alex, again, just that one that one statement that he makes, that question, is penetrating. He knows his name. He knows where he is. He knows what he's doing, and he asks the question, Why? Uh, I, I, you know, children ask the question why a lot, and when will we get there? 
Uh, but a lot of times that why question, why are you doing the things you're doing? Why do you say that? Why is a pretty good question sometimes when you're evaluating yourself, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. Why are you doing what you're doing? And uh, why are you on the road you're on if the road you're on is taking you to places that you don't want to go? Now, when I was a little boy, I remember being in church and hearing a preacher preach on Acts 9 and the words that came from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, it's interesting, Saul's response in verse 5 of Acts 9, Saul said, who art thou, Lord? And the, it's good. He says, Lord, He's on the right track, you know. He is. Um, if it's from said, heaven, if it's a voice from heaven, he knows. Y- you know, yeah. nobody else yeah. is going to speak from that position. So he yeah. he 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 is a ready uh made uh convert. I'll put it that way. Go ahead. You well y- yes, and uh, by the way, a voice from heaven and you say, "Who are you, Lord?" L-O-R-D, Lord. I've, I've interviewed many, many professed atheists, and I've asked a number of atheists, do you ever pray or have you ever prayed? And as far as I can remember, every atheist I've ever interviewed, and I've interviewed some pretty famous atheists, has said, yeah, I've prayed. One atheist said to me, Bert, said, I was on a snowy road and I lost control of my car and uh, almost was killed in a car wreck on a snowy road. And I said, did you pray? He said, well, yeah. And I said, uh, to whom did you cry out? He said, well, well, God, but you don't believe in God, or you say you don't. He said, well, it's just a, a human, you know, instinctive reaction. Uh, yeah. And I said, well, uh, did you die in that car wreck? And he goes, well, obviously, we'll see now that prayer got answered. And he said, well, I don't really, you know. Anyway, uh, everybody knows there's a God. But here's the thing that I remember as a child hearing this preached, and it was so fascinating, but I didn't understand it completely then. I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, in modern translations, it'll say, you know, it's hard for you to kick against the goad, G-O-A-D, which really is an ancient, ancient word for thorn. Now, Bert, I know you've probably preached on this, and so have I, but imagine, now here's the thing, for for anybody that's resisting uh, the overtures of the Holy Spirit or trying to live without God or fight against reality, you might as well kick your foot into a pointed, I mean, Put in the analogy of your choice, like trying to step on a nail or kick against a briar, or um, it was a tool that a cattle prod. Yeah, that's that's the word that I I really believe because God was trying to prod him and trying to bring him to that, but he was kicking against that which God was bringing to him to change his life. That's that's my thought on it. I I think that's the reason the cattle prod is is very applicable here alex go ahead and you know i listen i've had to to um lead cows to the barn before and you know you can lead 25 cows toward the barn but you'll have to get a stick and uh gently and maybe not so gently (laughs) remind them where the pathway is you know yeah but it it makes me hurt to think about it because i was reading a definition in a commentary today bert i was working on the show um, a goad, an ox goad, yeah. or a cattle prod. Imagine that the livestock is fighting against it so much that they are doing themselves injury. And um, 
So Saul, you know, it said he was breathing out threatenings against the church and fighting to persecute the church, fight the gospel, and ultimately try to obstruct Almighty God. Listen, you might as well just kick the flesh off your leg with a cattle prod because you're not going to accomplish anything. And notice his terms, I am Jesus. I am uh, I can't help but know I am the uh, the I am's in the book of the Gospel of John. I am Jesus. I am the one. I am whom. So he, trembling and astonished, this is Saul, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I, I want to mm. tell you, this was quick. This was. But he started out knowing it was the Lord, a voice from heaven. And now he responds not only in just questioning, but now he is responding to in a way of saying, surrender. What do you want me to do? That is a surrender word, Alex. And a lot of times folks don't want to do that. They want to have their way. They want to do their thing. He didn't say, Lord, I want to do, keep on doing what I'm doing. No, he turns it. What do you want me to do? And Alex, that's an awesome question. You made sure of that yesterday when we were talking about that. What a question that is. And this is what God wants you to do. Those of you who are listening, first, he wants you to be saved. He wants you to come into the place of surrender of your life to him. When you ask him to say, Lord, I can't save myself. Uh, There's nothing that I can offer. You died on the cross for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. And I am yours. I surrender And Alex, it's that old hymn that used to sing. It was a lot easier to sing than it was to pray. I surrender all, all to him I give, you know. Uh, But here, I I believe Saul really means this. Lord, what do you have me to do? I I think there's a surrender here. God, what's your will for me? Well, the old hymn, uh, do you remember the name A.B. Simpson? Yes, yes. Uh, And... He wrote that song, What Will You Do With Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. One day your soul will be asking, What will he do with me? Yeah, that's it. Now, just see, Saul of Tarsus asked the question that would change his life. Uh, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, this is Acts 9, verse 6, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what you must do. And the men which journeyed with Saul stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did he eat or drink. All right, here's the thing. The physical blindness uh, really accompanied the spiritual blindness that was already there. I mean, Saul was already blind. He just he couldn't see for three days. But he's about to get the clearest vision anybody could have because he's going to be born again, and he's going to get a call, and he's going to change the world. Okay, now I'm going to do an old, old uh, Western. Now, this is way, way back there when they first started in the 30s. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Okay, now I don't uh-huh, know if any yes. of you that are listening remembers those old movies, but it's especially Westerns, Roy Rogers or Gene Autry that was in it, and they would show a film about what was taking place on the range, and then they say, meanwhile, back at the ranch. So here, while this is taking place outside of Damascus, listen to what God's doing in Damascus. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, Ananias, 
to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, there it is again, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. He said, Lord, are you sure you know what, what you're doing? The answer is yes. But I got to do this before mm-hmm. we go to the break. We know it was miraculous here having uh, Philip ready for the Ethiopian eunuch. There seems to be some miraculous things going here, getting ready for Saul as well. So we want to continue the story when we come back from the break here on Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is a Amen. Hey, we're in the studio. We're having fun with that phone the song, and I'm pl- I'm doing the bass, guys. I got that bass down. Okay. Now, welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex, this is something to me. I, I love what is happening here. And again, we're in Acts chapter 9. We started with verse 10 through 14 about God preparing Ananias for what was going on. Now, notice what happens here. God is preparing him. Now, I remember when at the church where I pastored, uh, we would have going out and we would knock on doors. We'd usually go by threes. We would usually have two people, one go up and one stay in the car and pray. And But before we'd go out, we'd say, just as God is working in our hearts, those people to whom we're going to knock on their door or we're going to try to see them, God has is working in their life as well. God's going to lead us to someone whom he is preparing or working with. Here it is. While God was working on Saul, he was also preparing Ananias to be that man that would help bring about this conversion. I, God is, he is miraculous like that, but he is always the one. He's working not only in the person's life who is seeking, but he's working in the life of those that would share. What a way, and that's how God operates throughout the Bible, isn't it? Well, amen. And, you know, it's been said, my, my dear friend, Dr. Mark Cowart of uh, Church for All Nations, he said, somebody is waiting on the other side of your obedience. See, you know, God might be calling you to do something, but God is moving in somebody else's heart to uh, receive something, you know, and that person that you might think, you know, why, why should I talk to them about the gospel? They're not ready. Well, they might be. And isn't it a beautiful thing, Bert, how a sovereign God will work through, he'll lead and he'll beckon and call out to us. He does not override our free will. And yet, without compromising our free will, without compromising his holiness, God works in and through the church to bring people to himself. Now, I know you've heard it said, this is not original with me, the most obedient man and the bravest man in the New Testament, Ananias, you know, because 
the the Lord said, verse eleven and twelve: uh, Arise, go to a street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, not not Judas Iscariot, obviously, but one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Now, uh, the word Ananias means God is gracious. And we do see the grace of God in this, don't we, Bert? That, and, and by the way, let me just say this. Somebody you're thinking about, uh, maybe I should talk to them about Jesus. Oh, but they wouldn't listen to me. You don't know that. See, Saul is praying. You know, I, I bet a lot is going through his mind. But Ananias is going to be God's vest to Saul understand the relationship and the mission that he's going to embark upon now, not fighting the Savior, but serving the Savior. It it's is. It's a beautiful transaction, isn't it? It really is. And I just got to make a comment on Ananias and Judas, the names, a different Ananias. He died oh, earlier uh, in chapter 5. This is five. not Acts 5. Is it, it is not. And this is not Judas Iscariot, another. So here it is. I, I just I could not help but notice. I underlined those names so I would remind myself— I, isn't it great? God, you know, just because somebody else ruins a name or a place that looks like, oh, man, don't do that. No, God's raising up people, and he raised up these two people who happen to have same names, but it's neat. It's in the same story. Ananias and Judas, who ordinarily you'd say, oh, man, those names, those people. No, God is able to make it right, and he does here. Now, Alex, one more thing. He goes, he's he comes to a city called Damascus to do harm. And what does he do? Well, let me tell you. Let's read verse 15 and follow him. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And then verse 16, I think, is one of the most significant verses. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And I, I, I want to go ahead and read through verse uh, 19, and then you come back and comment if you would. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, laying his hands on him, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road has, uh, as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Now listen to this. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now I want to come back and talk about verses 15 and 16 especially. But those people he came to arrest and take back to Jerusalem in chains, now he's spending time with them being strengthened and blessed. Alex, I'd call this a turnaround. Amen. Amen. Well, verse 20 says, straightway he began to preach in the synagogues. Isn't that something? He was on a street called straight. Now he's living a life called straight. And Bert, doesn't God call us to do some things straightway? He does. And it is immediately. Notice what he was. He was baptized immediately. And he did all those. The eyes, the, the scales fell immediately. All this immediately. But notice what he says in the future for this man. He is a chosen vessel. Now, listen, I, I just want to tell you, he's a chosen vessel. God has something for him to do. It is specific. Uh, he shall bear my name, Gentiles, kings, children of Israel. And then he says, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. 
Now, in the book of 1 Peter, it talks about suffering lasting for a season. But for some chosen vessels, Alex, and I don't know how else to say this, it seems it's a life of suffering. Now, that doesn't mean there's not victories in it. It does not mean that there's not some good times in it. But it seems like it's suffering after suffering after suffering. And God knew that was true and going to be true with Saul, who would become Paul, a life of suffering. Now, I want to share one more story here, and then I'll throw it back to you. Uh, There was this great, great artist who had all of his paintings on display. And all of them were great, but there was one in particular, and everybody looked and said, it seems like something is lacking. I see the depth in the others, but something is not right in this painting. It's something that, that is not there. And finally, they asked the artist, what was it? And he said, well, it was purposeful. And they said, what was it purposeful? He said, I left out the shadows. He said, when you don't have the shadows, you don't have depth. And that is the case here Saul's life would have so much depth and change the world, and a lot of it was because of suffering. Alex, uh, uh, I, it's, I, I don't know how else to say that, and I'm not so sure I know the full doctrine of that, but I know God said he's a chosen vessel of mine, and he will suffer much. So when the suffering comes our way, uh, we, we say, okay, God, is it something I'm doing or something you're showing me or is it something you want to do? Don't just say, okay, uh, this, this is not good. God can use it even for good, can't he? Amen. He really can. And, you know, um, it, that's one of the beautiful things about our sovereign God is that he can take pain and turn it to joy. He can take suffering and bring good out of it. And, uh, you know, it's not fun, but... Only the Christian worldview really has an explanation for the purpose and, yes, the benefit of suffering. Suffering can be redemptive and beneficial. And really, Bert, only Christianity can promise that. Amen. And let me, I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to be preaching this Sunday at Auburn Baptist Church where I'm the interim pastor. Last week, I preached on the, on, you know, on the blessings of, of his uh, blessings toward us where we know the power of the resurrection. This Sunday, I'm preaching on the fellowship of his suffering. Here, God invites the Apostle Paul to join him in this exclusive fellowship. There's a fellowship that we have with one another. And in that suffering, those of you who are listening, that's going through it right now, it may be surgery, it may be financial, it may be a relational, it may be something. And right now, the suffering is deep and it's hard enter into the fellowship of Christ in your suffering. It, because in Jesus' suffering, he brings life. In Jesus' suffering, he brought joy to, to those that come to know him. So here's Paul entering in the fellowship of the suffering. So Alex, uh, don't, don't diminish. Uh, we want to know the power of the resurrection. But I want to ask you something. If you're going to know the power of the resurrection, that's from Philippians 3.10. Are you also going to have to go through the fellowship of his suffering? Do they run kind of parallel, do you think? Oh, I, I absolutely think they do. I absolutely think they do. And a lot of some of the best and most godly Christians, past and present, have remarked how what they learned, they learned in the deep, dark, painful valleys. And, and let's be honest, Bert, uh, 
we all love cotton candy, but it's vegetables <laughs> where we get our vitamins and nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. And we all love mountaintops, but very often what we learn about the Lord and how we grow and and how we get purged and delivered from carnality and selfishness, very often it's it's in the hard times that really we grow the most. Amen. So what does he do? Verse 20, listen to this, and you talked about it, and again, this immediacy, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God, where he was going to go and rest these people that were following Christ. He's going in there now and preaching this Jesus. And it says, Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength, growing in the Lord, and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, Alex, uh, <laughs> I would call, I, I know I've used it again, but I'm going to use it. This is a turnaround, brother. This is what you call Amen. a complete 180-degree turnaround, isn't it? Well, it is. And let me say this in verse 30, uh, 21. Our, the disciples were amazed, right? Uh, isn't this the guy that just a minute ago was, you know, persecuting the church? But those in the synagogue, the religious elites, were confounded. And, you know, the word there just really means, like, speechless. They, they didn't know what to do. Uh, Saul increased the more, confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this Jesus is very Christ. In other words, uh, presenting, explaining, defending. But to this day, the, the ministry of evangelism and apologetics, defending the faith, it's doing that very same that Saul did in Acts 9.22, Acts 17. Present, explain, defend. Present, explain, defend. And it says, after many days, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Uh, isn't that something that the... Paul was killing on behalf of the persecution of the church. Now he's become part of the church, so they're wanting to kill him. What, There's what no, he no prom- loyalty, yeah. was it? There was none. What he promised, God promised in verse 16 of Acts 10, is coming past in verse 23. I mean, we're talking about immediacy there. Not only was he immediately growing in the Lord, now he had a background that all he had to do was realize all that he had learned in the Old Testament concerning the, the the special days, the special meals, all those things, the history, oh, that's talking about Jesus. He already knew the story, and now it is complete, and that's the reason he could talk about Jesus so quickly. Not everybody has that kind of background. Now, you have the background, no matter who you are, enough to say, this is what he has done for me because we found out earlier in the book of John when somebody said, you know, uh, who healed you? He said, I don't know, but I know I was blind and now I see. Now, that's good for anyone. But here, Paul, that chosen vessel, he had all this background of being taught by Gamaliel, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and he had it in his heart. He had it in his mind. He thought he was doing the will of God. And now when he finds out the real will of God, Alex, he is like a dynamo, isn't he? 
Well, I, I'm glad you used the word dynamo because the word there, it says, in, Saul increased the more in strength. It's a variant of the word a dynamo from which, which we get dynamite. Now, we've said this many times, folks. Listen carefully. Uh, more than 200 times, the Bible says that uh, the Spirit of the Lord gives us power. Now, God, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, gives us authority power, but Acts 1.8, the Spirit of the Lord gives us ability power. And, uh, you know, authority power is the word from which we get the word jurisdiction. So when you go out to minister and witness, believe me, you are on Christ's jurisdiction. When we're representing the gospel or leading our churches, that's why, let me just say this, I applauded John MacArthur. He didn't close during the quarantines. He didn't, you know, just... um close up shop because the church is on Christ's jurisdiction. Amen. We've been deputized. But then we get the 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 ability power. And that's the word in Acts nine twenty two. It says Saul increased the more in strength. And you might think, well, is that physical strength? Did he work out or maybe he was brave? No, what a, it was nothing of his own ability. It was the empowerment. Okay. Um, Alex is breaking up, so he's going to try to reconnect then. But let me carry this on out, and then we'll see if he's he'll be ready for the phone calls either way. Their plot to kill him. They wanted to kill him, so they plotted, and this was made known to Saul. You see, Saul is on God's timetable. He said, you're going to witness to me before Gentiles, kings, and children. God had in mind something else. So this plot was going to come to naught. Get on God's timetable. Trust him. He'll bring it about. And it says the disciples took him by night, led him down through the wall in a large basket. He got out so he could go to Jerusalem. And we're going to study of that tomorrow. But before then, we're going to take your phone calls in this last segment. That number is 888-589-8840. Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex here, and we're going to take your phone calls. But Alex, I, I don't want to give you a word. We, most everybody just heard the promotion of Fishbowl, and we still have uh, couples able to come. You can register and uh, be a part of repairingthefoundations.net. You can register. But I got a phone call today after Bo Weaver, and he's probably listening. Uh, he was a pastor. He and his wife came to one of our fish bowls. And what Jan and I tell these pastors do, make friendships while you're there. Meet a couple that you have a lot in common with, and you may be in different states or whatever, but because of modern-day technology, uh, we can connect with one another. And Bo was telling me about he and his wife developing a friendship with another pastor miles away, uh, David and, and, and Kimberly won't use their last names. They may be listening too, and they're, they've become dear friends. And he said, I just want to encourage pastors and their wives to register for the fishbowl said it was life changing life blessing. And so I just wanted to pass that on. And Bo said this, Alex, he said, tell Alex I'm listening. And he said, he loves you. He said, man, Alex is awesome, and I agree with him, man. So I wanted to pass well, that along to you as well as talk about fishbowl, brother. 
Well, thank to God be the glory. The Fishbowl Retreat is very special. I've attended and had the privilege of speaking at one, and uh, it's very special. Hey, I will tell everybody we're about to have our big event at the Cove, and there's still time to register now. Uh, lodging is full on the premises, but across the highway, there are hotels July 7 through 9. I'll be at the Cove, and I heard that we've got nearly 300 people signed up from all across America. So if you want to come and see us at the Cove July 7 through 9, go to thecove.org, Google my name in the in the space bar, and we'd love to see you there. Amen. Well, right now we're going to go to calls. The phone number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Bert, uh, with whom shall we talk first? Okay, we're going to Arkansas and talk to John. Welcome, John. Well, God bless you guys. Uh, good to be with y'all. And first thing I want to do is I want to say thank you. Uh, y'all sent me a Bible uh, the last share y'all did. Y'all both, uh, the two of y'all signed a Bible and sent it to me uh, for my ordination services. Yeah, and John. I actually was able to receive that Bible. And I had the ordination council. They also uh, signed and, and gave some words of encouragement and scriptures along with that. And that has become my my ordination Bible, and that is very special. So I wanted to say God bless you and thank you for that. Thank you, um, John. And, Amen. You Amen. know, it, it, it seems like a, a day of encouragement because that's what I, you know, I kind of wanted to, to, to call and just kind of give a, a, a praise and, and just a, a big, um, uh, a, I mean, just a big shout of praise to God and just how good he is uh, and just give some encouragement. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there uh, that are that are involved in different aspects of children's ministry or youth ministry, and and they, they feel like they're they're pouring their efforts and everything into it. And sometimes it can be difficult, it can be discouraging, uh, and it can feel like you know you wonder if you're really reaching these 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 young believers, these children, or these young adults for Christ. And and sometimes you can kind of feel overwhelmed, and the enemy will try to get you to quit. And, and something happened to me last night. I actually had uh, one of the senior high boys uh, that I've been doing in the youth group for the last couple of years. Uh, he recently graduated this year. And he reached out to me uh, because I was able to make an impact in his life. And he reached out to me and asked me if I could help him with some issues and some things with, with lust and whatnot that he had been dealing with. And, you know, I told my wife this morning, I said, you know, I said, just being faithful to do what God has called us to do, our works and our efforts that we put forth and when pouring into these young people, it will not go overlooked, and they will remember. Amen. And I was just brought to a, a point of tears uh, as I prayed this morning, just thanking God Amen. that he would use me as an <laughs> instrument. Amen, John. Speak into the life. Now, I just want to give that encouragement. If you're out there and you're doing that, don't give up because these young people, they need you. They're listening to you. They're hanging on and, and watching you more than what you think. Uh, and, and again, I just really appreciate the gift that y'all sent me, and, and it's really helping me in my ministry and, and uh, uh, moving forward. And I sent an email or a, a Facebook message to Alex uh, here about a week ago uh, asking just for some, uh, some resources and stuff. Uh, on apologetics, if he could send me something oh, okay. that. So, uh, John, message on the Facebook page. Thank you, brother. All right. I, 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 we got to go to the next caller real quick, but thank you, John. I just got to say this. I had a funeral this morning uh, to, a, to a man whose children, uh, younger two children, were in my youth group when I was youth minister. And those two, they came up, both of them came up to me 
and uh, their lives, and they somehow you touched me. And one of them was I was co- I was youth minister, but also coach coached the basketball team, junior high basketball team. And uh, listen, the guy said I remember a lot, but I remember the coaching too. Listen, invest your life in that generation. I don't care. Invest your life, and I agree. I agree with John, Alex. You've had this experience. These guys that you've put into the and gals. They come back, and it's awesome. But thank you, John. Yes. We appreciate that so much. Let's go to Texas and talk to Charlie. Welcome, Charlie. Well, hello, guys. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I recently completed a study of Isaiah and reflecting on Isaiah 52.7, you know, how beautiful are the feet. And is it a stretch in, in my mind to say, look, Here's a picture of Paul. Is, is that <laughs> Ooh, wow. going too far? <laughs> Let me read it. This is pretty good. <laughs> I'm reading it, Alex, and you do the comment because we've got full load. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I I know it refers to Paul. I think it may refer to others as well, but it's talking about the gospel. Have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. We're to take that gospel to everywhere, aren't we? Well, amen. You know, in Romans ten fifteen, Paul quotes that verse, doesn't he? he does. About beautiful feet uh, and taking that message of salvation to the mountains and everywhere. And so, uh, yes, I think that... That's one that Paul really had in mind. Well, hey, triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty, and Bert, where should we go oh, next? Let's go to Oklahoma oh. and talk to Mike. Welcome, Mike. Hey guys, first time caller. How you doing? Fine. Thank you for Good. calling, man. Uh, Glad you got through. Yeah, I've got a question for you about the parable of the talents. So, in Jesus's response to the person who hit his talent, he uh, says, "You should have." Put in the bank to earn interest. How do we earn interest on the talents uh, that we're given? Okay. Well, I'm, go ahead, Alex. Yeah. Jump in here. Yeah. I, I think it means that, uh, invest. Just as money gets invested, um, it's not wasted. Uh, talents are to be invested. And obviously, a spiritual gift or a talent we can't put in an account, but we can invest it in proclaiming the truth, serving people, influencing others. Uh, Bert, you know, I think church history is is just full of examples of people who use their life and their strengths and abilities. They were invested in the cause of the gospel. They were. Amen. I agree with you fully. And uh, it's an investment. You invest it. Let's go to Kansas and talk to James. Welcome, James. Hey, uh, Bert and Alex, thank you for your ministry. You've been a blessing to so many of us. You were talking about adversity uh, uh, earlier in the program, going through tough times. I've had uh, uh, that just happened to me recently, uh, some physical pain, financial reversal. Uh, and you both have quoted, I believe, Adrian Rogers. I think I've heard both of you in, in times past. And I don't know that this was original with Adrian, but I heard it probably 20 years ago, and I wrote it down, committed it to memory. And I was in a men's Bible study years ago where I was kind of the young buck and nobody respected me. But one night, uh, the older guys were talking about adversity, and I quoted this poem that I'm going to share with you. I'm sure you both have heard it. 
but for the listener's sake, and if you haven't heard it, you might want to, you know, put it to pen. Uh, anyway, I shared it with these older men, and several of them just got tears in their eyes because they had, had walked a hard road in their life. Here it is. I walked a mile with pleasure, laughing all the way, but she ne- left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a while with sorrow, and not a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from sorrow when sorrow walked with me. Amen, James. Alex, uh, Dr. Rogers, man, we, we did quote him about every week, James. I remember that poem, Alex. I remember, I don't know if he wrote oh, it, yes. but I remember him using it. He did it more than one time. Uh, way to go, James. Alex, you got anything to comment? Well, yeah, I've got a a book of Christian poetry, and that is such a powerful poem. And, I mean, there's just profound truth in it, isn't there? There really is. Thank you, James. And, man, we appreciate what's going on here today. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Beth. Welcome, Beth. Uh, Good afternoon. Um, I just appreciate what y'all do in American Family Radio. I have a copy of the movie of Acts. And there's one of Matthew, and the reason I think they're important and they're good is that every word spoken on the movie is word for word from the Bible. And they use the NIV, and in the corner of the screen, there is chapter and verse. So there are a lot of religious movies out there, and they are added to, but this one, you can guarantee every word in the movie is from the Bible. Is it called? It's a great teaching tool. Is it called the Book of Acts, or what is the name it, of it? It's from it's from the Visual Bible, and there's yes. one called Matthew and one called Acts. And someone earlier said Dean Jones was in the Acts version, mm-hmm. in the Acts movie. But, you know, like I said, there's so many movies out there, but this one is word for word, and it's excellent teaching tool. Amen. Thank you, Beth. Alex, is that the one you were Amen. referring that's to? That's the one, yes. yes Beth, that's the thank one. you. What what a blessing it is. Hey, we got call we got one more caller lined up. If you got a call and you want to ask a question, get in real quickly. That number is triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. Alex and I are answering quickly today. Let's go and stay in Arkansas and talk to Michael. Welcome, Michael. Uh yes, sir. I just wanted to ask you I have a recently 13-year-old son, and he's very angry all the time and stubborn. So I just want to know where in the Bible does it tell you how to deal with a stubborn child? And then when I try to explain to him the second coming of Jesus, which you know everybody should rejoice in, he kind of takes it as, well, you know, God doesn't really care about me if he wants to shorten my life by coming back early. Okay. And I don't know how to deal with well, that. Well, let me just share you. Stay in the book of Proverbs. Just saturate yourself in the book of Proverbs. Find some of those that you pray. And then when you get discouraged, there's some Psalms that you need to read, or I'd say the the Gospel of John. And uh, I would say you could go to Family Talk. Uh, That's Dr. James Dobson's program. And they can give you some material. There's a book that he wrote, uh, Bringing Up Boys. And let me recommend that along with the Bible, Michael, bringing up boys, and I think it will help. Alex? And and how old is this child? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. Proverbs nineteen eighteen says, uh, chasten your son, 
In other words, discipline and reprimand your son while there is still hope. Do not spare for his crying. Now, it might not be feasible to spank a 13-year-old, but there are ways you can discipline him because, you know, um, screen time. You know, uh, let me ask you, sir, are you you and your wife both believers? Yes, sir. Yeah, and, and are you guys going to church? Does your son go to church with you every Sunday? No, but I've been reading the Bible with him since he was about six. Uh, why Why does he not go to church with you? Um, he just chooses not to. Well, yeah, you're going to change that choice for him. Um, and uh, does he have access to a computer or a smartphone? Yes. Take those away. And look, uh, no 13-year-old should be calling the shots. Uh, hey, repeat after me, and I want m- much of America to repeat this. Now, say, repeat this. I am the parent. Say that. I, I am the parent. Say it like you mean it. Say, I am the parent. I am the parent. Amen. Now, you're going to have to start parenting. And and. Just calmly, you you can't lose your temper. Very calmly, say, look, son, I love you, and I care about you, and I care about your soul. And uh, until you have your own place and are paying your own bills, uh, you're living under my roof. And your mother and I, because we are one day going to give an account to God, we're going to raise you in a godly way. Now, I don't care if he pitches a little, little boy tantrum or curses or whatever. Um, Sunday morning, he's going to get up, and here's the thing, um, no computer, no smartphone, for goodness sakes, no, none of the perks and blessings, look, you're not running a vacation resort, you're running a Christian home, and so you're going to have to set some boundaries, and I know it might be late in the game to start doing that, but I want you to prayerfully read Proverbs nineteen eighteen, and like Bert said, look at Dr. Dobson's resources, but brother... Prayerfully, and let, let me say, you and your wife, and, and I know we've got to move on, you and your wife need to be having a daily devotional, and I hope you are, but praying. Bert, th- this thing called p- Christian parenting, it's not for the faint of heart, is it? It is not, and I want to just tell you, uh, you got to stay with the stuff. Show forth. Don't just teach. Let them see. Let them see, and then be strong in the Lord. But Dr. Dobson does have a lot of good material that is available. And Bringing Up Boys is one of those. Thank you, Michael. Listen, we thought we could get to Marty and Willie, but we couldn't get to you today. That question was a little longer than we uh, usually take for answering those questions. But I hope and I know it was important for some people to hear that. And we pray that God would use you in helping your child to be all that he needs to become. Join us tomorrow with more of Exploring the Word as we continue in the book of Acts. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.